Hello and welcome to the Entrepreneurs on Monocle Radio, the show all about inspiring people, innovative companies and fresh ideas in global business. Today's programme is all about taking flight. First, we meet the co-CEO of one of the world's leading on-demand private jet charter companies. Sustainable aviation fuel isn't perfect, but it's a very good offering here and now. Let's not let some perfect ideal get in the way of good. Then we'll hear from a founder of a company that helps people make smooth landings in countries new. It makes a huge difference to have a powerful passport that you don't need to be worrying if you have to be in a big meeting in in Singapore or in Rome if you need a visa for it. This is The Entrepreneurs with me, Tom Edwards. You're listening to The Entrepreneurs. I'm delighted to say I'm joined today here in the studio by Toby Edwards, the co-CEO of Victor, an award-winning company in the world of private aviation. Toby, a very warm welcome to you. I should say it's always a pleasure to interview T. Edwardses if I get the opportunity. It doesn't happen often. Thank you. Thanks very much for having me as well, Tom. Well, let's jump into it, Toby, because as you're aware, we have a very global audience who probably are already familiar with Victor. But why don't you start out by telling the uninitiated what the company is all about? So we charter the private jets. We do commercial jet charters for larger groups. And we also organise private aircraft for artists, for global tours, musicians, etc. With regards to what differentiates our service, there's three key unique selling points. Transparency, which I think we'll probably touch upon a lot. What do I mean by that is the broker sector in particular is still quite opaque and we're unashamedly transparent with regards to sharing information such as the name of the operator. So that might be NetJets, Air Hamburg, Globair, to the client, but also more detail such as the tail number of the aircraft, which is the equivalent of the number plate on a car, or indeed the cancellation terms of the operator. So we really give a lot of transparency to our consumers in this opaque market to help them make smart decisions quicker and in an informative way. We also differentiate ourselves through our Alto loyalty point scheme. So Alto, just think sort of like Avios, but this is specifically for customers chartering private aircraft. And the way it works is for every dollar you spend on a charter flight, you earn a point. And then as you collect sets of 10,000 points, you can use those to defray the cost of your next charter. And at Victor, because we're an on-demand service, there's no membership fees, there's no upfront payment. So it's really a a thank you and an incentive to our customers to remain loyal to us. Mm. And and there's various partners and we're really looking to expand our loyalty point program and and Alto in the future, which is very exciting. Then the third way we differentiate ourselves is the sustainability and climate action. We have a a sustainability in private aviation is a bit of a juxtaposition, but one of the major milestones was in the middle of 2022 we launched an industry first, not just business aviation industry first, but an aviation industry first partnership with Neste, who are the world's leading producer of sustainable aviation fuel. And that partnership enabled our customers to purchase sustainable aviation fuel, irrespective of the operator or the airport on any booking anywhere in the world. So that was a big moment for us and has has helped our credibility as as a brand that is yes, offering private jet charters to clients, but at the same time trying to make it 
as easy as possible to credibly reduce your emissions if you do choose mm-hmm. to fly private and, and don't feel so good about it from an emissions perspective. Yeah, and I think that credibility is interesting. Just on that point, because obviously, I guess, particularly since the pandemic, really, there's been this issue about flight shaming, whether that's executive travel or just general long haul travel, really. It feels maybe a little bit like that moment. It's not past. That narrative seems to have receded, I think, which is a welcome thing. Oh, I wonder, do you go along with that? And actually, is it because there are now innovators in this space that consumers like, as with Flyvictor, that they can genuinely trust? I think the whole idea around flight shaming is a bit of a shame. I, I don't really... Flying is a brilliant innovation and we don't want people to stop flying. At the end of the day, flying's not the issue. The planes aren't the problem. It's the fossil fuel in the planes. And sustainable aviation fuel isn't perfect. It has its flaws, but it's a very good offering here and now that we can make available to customers. So we have to continue to improve with regards to what options we give our clients to make sure that they are reducing their emissions. But like I say, let's not let some perfect ideal get in the way of good. For example, let's not wait for electric planes. They're many, many years away. We have a product in sustainable aviation fuel that's available today, which I sort of made it my personal mission during COVID when there was a lot of a narrative around flight shaming that we make this available to our customers rather than just reading about it and talking about it. And look, today the use of SAF is is still tiny. But since we launched our partnership, we've seen a really good uptake. One in five of our customers are voluntarily choosing to spend an extra additional £1,000 on average on their charter flight to credibly reduce their emissions. So we've got that uptake. But as a leader within private aviation, I think it's always about looking at opportunities. So one is creating a blueprint, which we've done, and how, how do we now try and help airlines where the emissions are much, much greater. How do we try and influence change there, remove the needle? So we're trying to facilitate those conversations and and trying to get them to offer sustainable aviation through fuel to their customers in a clever way. But at the same time, a huge part is, is about education and informing the users. And because of who our clients are, think football clubs, business leaders, pop stars, if they're on board with sustainable aviation fuel, rather than feel attacked perhaps by the media for flying private it would be ideal if they could almost come out and say look we do fly private we can't do our itinerary for our concert across europe and please all our fans without using business jets but we are paying a lot more for our flights to have sustainable aviation fuel because we really want to do everything we can in order to lower our footprint yeah i I sense that removing some of the opacity around the comms from some of these institutions and individuals you mentioned may be more tricky than the obviously very good job you've done you've done so far let me ask you a bit about hospitality because obviously at monocle we're we're fascinated by aviation across the piece and by hospitality you know and some of these fundamentals about what it means to welcome somebody to really look after them and it seems to me and it's funny you were talking about alto and i know there's other sort of stakeholders who are involved in that program now there's a a mindset an attitude that we would recognise, or certainly some of our listeners who are well-travelled, would recognise more from what you would call the hospitality sector rather than maybe from the aviation sector, if you see what I mean. Do you think that is an important part of your success over the, you know, what a decade or more, that you bring that level of attentiveness, that transparency, the reliability, the trustworthiness that you spoke about already? It's almost like 
high-end hotel standard? Is that something you've consciously tried to incorporate into your approach, do you think? Yes, and because we don't own any aircraft as a broker, actually our whole role is to provide outstanding service. And at Victor, we have an amazing team, a diverse team, a resilient team. But I see on a daily basis the feedback we get from our customers. And I think anyone reading that, it's so personal, the feedback we get and the thanks and the gratitude for that service is is really a huge motivational force to keep going. And when we talk about what's next and growing Victor, we have a great presence in Europe and North America, but we know there's there's so many more customers who still aren't aware of this attentiveness that our team provides our clients and expanding that service in those regions, but also into the Middle East, where is particular importance following our, our recent acquisition by an Abu Dhabi aviation investment group. That customer service, yes, there are nuances with regards to different cultures, but it's all about personalization. One of our offerings that's kind of a bedrock, but it's not necessarily unique to Victor, is we provide a dedicated account manager. So when you sign up on our app or, or register on our website, you will immediately receive contact from your dedicated account manager, a human being who you then will hopefully build a relationship with. I really try and encourage our account managers to be themselves and to make sure their personality comes across to the customer. And really, whether that's through WhatsApp messages, phone calls, emails, it's essential. And I think good service is a lot about being one step ahead and not having to wait for the client to ask for something. And that's difficult to do if you don't know your client. So our role as a broker, whilst our operators are very focused on safety and they have pilots they need to take care of, catering, etc., it's very important that layer that we provide as the broker in business aviation and offering that service. And I think absolutely it's very similar or not dissimilar to concierge in a hotel. Toby, let me ask you a bit about your personal journey because I always find it interesting when leadership in smart businesses has a story that begins maybe lower down in the company, decade plus of service. Do you think that that often leads to a C-suite or a leadership group who are uniquely well qualified to lead a business? I mean, in a sense, it's self-evidently the case because they know the the business inside out. But is, is it about something a bit more than that? Your personal growth in the business complements the business's growth? Does it give you as an individual, an advantage? And is it something that actually we maybe don't appreciate enough sometimes when we're looking at maybe people's paper qualifications rather than their real knowledge from that's, that's learned on the ground or in the sky in this case? Yeah, where to start? I think maybe on, just from my own personal journey, I had three brothers, so I think that gave me a competitiveness growing up. But also my father was very ill for between the age of 11 and 13, he had cancer. And going through that process with him, I learned a huge amount, I think, actually about service. For example, because he had a brain tumour, when he would stand up after being sat down for a long time, perhaps after a meal or getting out of a car, he'd have wobblies. And you'd have to make sure you were behind him, ready to catch him, or make sure that whoever had the wheelchair had it behind him so that he would land safely in it. Or he would like to have his head massaged because he was having chemotherapy, radiotherapy. And that kind of understanding of humans and being really aware of how to look after somebody, I think, personally taught me a lot. And then at school too, you know, I didn't really enjoy lessons. I hated exams. So you'd far more likely have found me selling something or 
out on my bicycle, for example, during GCSEs, we decided, myself and two friends, that we were going to cycle from Land's End to John O'Groats. And sure, it meant I didn't do particularly well in my GCSEs because all that free time was meant to be spent revising. I was out on a bike. Um, but it taught it taught me a lot about determination. If you sign up to something, make sure you finish it. And actually self-belief. So this is kind of relevant because in 2011... Again, I just signed up to this wacky idea. I did an Ironman, basically, in Bolton in, in the UK. And I crossed the finish line. And I, I kind of, the moment sunk in, I'd been working recruitment for two years. And I was like, what what am I doing? I could be putting all of this energy into my career, nine to six, and building something great with, with people. And I came across, during an interview process for another company, I was interviewing for Bloomberg, I was reading the FT, and I came across the Victor magazine, and I was immediately struck by this amazing brand with this fantastic vision to go and disrupt business aviation, or at least try to, in a similar way to EasyJet had done with low-cost carriers and Virgin with transatlantic flights. And upon joining Victor, I grew, and because of my recruitment experience, I naturally took on management responsibilities, built teams, and I was very passionate about making sure that the people that had joined early in the business who clearly had the aptitude if they were good enough then they could be promoted you know the Matt Busby saying along the lines of if you're good enough you're old enough and that really is carried on through to 2020 when I became co-CEO it's very important again that with regards to opportunities there was a lot of talent in the organization and just making sure that those individuals were in leadership roles even though they necessarily, necessarily, to your point, Tom, on paper might not have had the CVs, their knowledge of the business, their understanding of our clients, what makes Victor different, the real deep understanding of how transparency adds value in building trust, all these things. And I think today, you know, fast forward 2024, having recently be acquired, it, it is a big, it is one of our secret weapons. The fact mm. that over half of our management team have been with the business eight, nine years, started at the bottom. And we also have, like any team, I think, that telepathic understanding of one another. There are things we don't even need to say anymore because, you know, whether it's a customer issue and we're trying to think, OK, what's the best way of resolving this? We almost don't need to meet and have that conversation. We all know that this is the right way to please that client and move on or thinking around, say, a briefing for a third party. Again, very straightforward. We can speak to one another and get it done much quickly. So it enables us to move fast and... I think it's one of the brilliant things about working at Victor is that our team know that if, if they stick with it, they work hard, they're smart and they do a good job, then then they can rise to the top. Mm. Super interesting. And I think that funny, what is it? It's a shorthand of familiarity. It's really powerful, especially in, in slightly smaller businesses. And just to that point, as a business becomes more successful, as it grows, there's obviously evident international component here. Can you retain that kind of control and that, that reliance on instinct, insights that are gained from personal interaction? Because by definition, you need to delegate. You may need to delegate on a bigger scale because you might be talking about new markets and you can't physically be everywhere yeah. at once. Although it strikes me the person who probably gives it a, a good go. How, how do you look at that challenge of that kind of scale? Because presumably that is part of the plans that have come from the, the investment and all the rest of it. Yes, Tom, I think it is our biggest challenge is how do we attract and retain new talent? How do we keep what makes us unique and outstanding now? And essentially, we will have to go through this phase of becoming more corporate, where we put in more process, more procedure that enables that scale up and growth. 
for larger teams whilst retaining the continuity. So we do practical things, for example, like at the beginning and the end of the week, we have all hands meetings where everybody does them, whether you're physically in the office or not, and we all give an update on sales, marketing. We have monthly socials. We have big summer social and a big Christmas social to create that togetherness. And we do other things like company stash, whether it's baseball caps, jumpers, rucksacks, to keep that togetherness as a team and make sure we feel as as one. And again, it's a bit cliche, but no one's bigger than the brand. It's about Victor and, and we're all playing our role to ensure that Victor as a service is available to people who want to charter private aircraft. And you'll get that dedicated personal account manager management, but they're absolutely backed up by all the functional leaders across the business and their teams, whether that's operations, flight management, marketing, legal IT, etc. You've alluded to this, I think, a little bit, and there's obviously questions of geography when it comes to market and ambition and scope and that sort of thing, Toby. But perhaps finally, if we look cast an eye to the future and obviously I'd be interested to pick your brains in terms of broader trends in Mm. business travel and so forth which is something we cover across all of the sort of monocle universe but is it a question of how you look to the future you know do you have to calibrate your vision over a 12 24 48 month time horizon presumably you need to be across those big prevailing industry trends or do you have to be a bit more granular and say right okay in terms of geographies you know there's a big push in around the gulf or the middle east now or is it looking to southeast asia or how, how do you look ahead and what particular things are most shaping your your vision as you do it? Yeah, so we have a very strong presence in Europe and a good presence in North America. The Middle East, having been acquired, as I say, by an Abu Dhabi aviation investment company, we are now an Abu Dhabi business. And the priority for us in 2024 is to set up an office in Abu Dhabi that services the Abu Dhabi clients in a similar way to how we service our clients in Europe and North America without detracting from the service that we're already providing in those regions. And we also want to keep growing into territories in Europe and, and continue the growth in North America. With regards to Middle East, it is it is a huge opportunity. Of course, Abu Dhabi is at the forefront, but Dubai is down the road. And then Kuwait is an, a fantastic market for business aviation, as is, of course, Saudi Arabia. So We will begin in Abu Dhabi one step at a time because the size of the market in Abu Dhabi alone is very, very significant Then UAE, then the GCC region, then then the MENA region. So we we will over time grow. But one of the things that we've really learned over 11 years is, is getting that pace right because each region is almost like a mountain in itself that you've got to go and climb. And of course, cash is king and we all learnt a lot from COVID. So it's you can't just take as unlimited oxygen up the mountain, otherwise it'd be quite... So it's like balancing that ambition with resources and also leadership skills and, and the people in the team without overstretching them because they're going to be key people business, making sure that they are well-resourced and aren't being too stretched because the ambition, the strategy is too hard and aggressive. Thanks, Toby. That was Toby Edwards, the co-CEO of Victor. And you can learn more about the business by heading to flyvictor.com. You're listening to The Entrepreneurs. We continue our global journey on this week's programme now with Monocle's well-travelled Fernando Augusto Pacheco. I'm delighted to say he joins me here in the studio. Now, hello, Fernando. A pleasure to be here on The Entrepreneurs this week, Tom. Um, Now, tell me, you're going to tell us a little about a full-service investment migration 
consultancy. It's all about things that we love here at Monocle, borderless futures, global citizens. Explain to us, Faye, what is this and how does it work? First of all, I was very interested in this company, Global Citizen Solutions. So the founder is a Brazilian woman. Her name's Patricia Casaburi. And, you know, she moved to the UK like me. So that's already kind of a similarity. But then she moved again. I, was, I believe she settled in Portugal. So it's quite interesting what is she doing, Tom, because these days it's, you know, a lot of people are moving, but it's not an easy thing to do. And I think what her company is doing, it, it will help you, you know, if you want to buy a property, to invest in the country, to find a school for your kids, perhaps. But the interesting thing I was talking to Patricia, when we talk about expats, Sometimes there's a bad connotation to it because, you know, it's just someone from a different country who don't want to get really invested in a way in, in the country. But that's not what her company is doing. So she wants to make sure that you're going to learn the local language, you know, a, a little bit how the country works. And of course, I'm saying she's Brazilian, but I think the company is quite global. She has a lot of, I think her number one market, I believe, is the United States, for example. It's something that is so current. It's something that People are needing more and more in a way. Uh, and Fernando, lots of narratives around these golden visa programmes and I understand the business helps to advise on how best to do that because some countries are moving the goalposts in terms of the amount of investment, the nature of the investment, how speculative it can and should be, how long you then need to live there. Super interesting to look at a tailored consultancy, I guess, that answers all those questions. Just tell us what you and uh, Patricia, uh, what did you kick off by talking about? So we started talking about how Portugal is becoming quite an attractive place for foreigners to move in, from Brazilians to Americans. She stopped by a Midori house and we had this great chat. Kind of the move there happened in reverse. So we set up the company late 2016, beginning of 2017. And obviously, Global Citizen Solutions, we offer multiple residency programs. But Portugal organically became the most relevant. Lisbon, Portugal even, became so international. So in terms of the companies that are settling in there, the type, the people, the restaurants, so the cuisine, the culture. So there's a lot more of everything. Uh, and that, I think, brings a lot of richness and, you know, to the country. What are people looking for when they do their, their moves? Because it's not just financial as well. For example, when I think of quality of life, do you think that's one of the factors? It's not just, well, I got this amazing job in the country. I think there are plenty of factors, right? Oh, yes. It's never simple because you're looking, it depends where people are coming from. They might have slightly different motivations. But generally speaking, it's about lifestyle, safety. People love being, the appeal of Europe is definitely something, good education, good pillars, I guess, as a society. So you have education, you have healthcare, a fairly stable economic and political landscape. So all of those things make it for a very compelling proposition. We spoke a lot about Portugal, but just to clarify here, so you, it's not just Portugal. You, you work with so many different countries, right? Yes. I wonder if you could give us a snapshot, perhaps some of your top markets or which nationalities actually come to you to do all these services. Europe is definitely our biggest market. Portugal and Spain and Greece at the moment are the ones that kind of 
get the most interest. And in these countries, we can help either with a golden visa, which is a little bit of a more passive immigration process, as well as if you're like wanting to be a bit of a digital nomad and want to spend some time there, we can also help with these types of visas or if you just want to retire there. There's always a match for that. And we also, when we're looking, because we always try to look at the kind of holistic approach to, to people's intentions, so we always look at the tax environment as well and then just see what's the best scenario. Outside of Europe... For us, the biggest market is the five Commonwealth Caribbean islands that we work very, very proactively in, in these countries. We've got quite a few clients that, that gravitate towards this type of program, specifically the ones that would like to increase their mobility. So then that's when the passport value really comes into the equation. Then traditionally, which is a, we do EB-5, which is the American Investor Visa, Canada... They turn on, back on, on and off the TAF, but now they have a very good startup program as well. But the Canadian, it's kind of more suited for people that are actually looking to move there. And then there's Turkey that, that's been doing super well. The UAE now has a program. So you have Germany, Scandinavian countries always tend to feature quite well. What are the routes you're seeing? Of course, Please mention, do mention Portugal, which type of nationalities are wanting to move there. But do you see any other countries that actually are, are attracting a lot of people in that sense? Yeah, I think Spain has always, it's always been in the race, right? Obviously, like it's Portugal and Spain, are, when people start looking at Europe often, they started these two countries and then they will narrow it down. Sometimes they will make it a little bit broader. People that are looking to move, then they really, really do try to have a perfect match of lifestyle and country. So so obviously they'll look if they speak the language. Or one thing that Portugal has a certain edge or advantage into in other European destinations is because English is really widely spoken there. So that's helpful. So there's kind of this lot, if you will, of people that are looking to relocate. And then you have investors. They're doing acting now to have a fallback plan or plan their retirement or whatever there is. So they're not completely in a position where they can move right now, but they're investing so in a golden visa. And then when they're looking at golden visas, which are basically residency programs, whereby by investing in a country, you get access to a residency permit without actually having to spend physical time in the country. I mean, you have to come over on average, like a, a week per year or something like that. But that's kind of the trade-off. But you kind of start a process which will enable you, if you wish and when you wish to, to kind of move to that country. So that's the idea. So other places in Europe that people look to, definitely Italy. Greece has gotten a lot of attention because their golden visa is very competitive as well. Malta, they did really well and... They have a very strong citizenship program, but they also did well through COVID with the digital nomad, which are now a lot of, they were like the first ones to come out with this concept and act and have legislation to enable people to move there quite quickly. And a lot of the other countries followed suit and they proved to be super popular. So. And it's interesting what you do as well, because it might be useful, because I think, as you know, Patricia, a lot of those laws changes in countries, you know, about golden visas, or some countries make it easier or make it harder to go there. So I think 
people sometimes can get a little bit, it can be a little bit confusing moving to another country in that sense. So I think that's perhaps part of the service that you do, right? Exactly. We need to help people navigate a lot. There's also kind of a legal precedent, if you will, although in most of the European countries are talking about Roman law. But even though legislation changes, they can only impact you if it's for the better. So, you know, once you start a process such as this, you kind of safeguard it in whatever set of rules were established by the time you initiated. Things do change and sometimes they evolve for the better and sometimes for the worse. But yeah, we'll help people navigate through the changes. And if I may mention, and sorry, I just want to see the connection with the Global Passport Index, which I know is quite interesting, the, the value of a powerful passport, because of course I'm, I'm Brazilian, I love being Brazilian, and I don't think it's, I think it's also kind of a strong passport. But since I've become British, it's interesting how differently you're treated as well. So I think to have a, a powerful passport, it's such a valuable thing, right? Oh, yes. In life, we want to be practical and just be able to up and go you know it's easier to than anything we've known in the past not us I guess we already always benefited from the lifestyle that we have now but in comparison to our parents South American generally speaking the passports tend to be fairly all right in terms of visa-free travel but if you are from a country and you're a businessman from Lebanon working in Dubai and you need to travel a lot for work or you're from South Africa, it makes a huge difference to have a powerful passport that you don't need to be worrying if you have to be in a big meeting in, in Singapore or in Rome if you need a visa for it and need to apply. So yeah, it just makes life flow <laughs> a lot easier. That was Patricia Casabori, the founder of Global Citizen Solutions, in conversation with our own Fernando Augusto Pacheco. And you can learn more about the business and how it works by heading to globalcitizensolutions.com. And that's it for this episode of The Entrepreneurs. We'll be back at the same time next week. Do look out for Eureka, which drops every Friday. The programme was produced by Laura Kramer, with mixing and editing by Tamsin Howard. You can listen again and find out more about the show at monocle.com. That's where you can also subscribe to Monocle magazine and read more about better businesses every month. You can always follow us and catch up with the archive via your preferred podcast platform too. If you want to get in touch with The Entrepreneurs team, email Laura. She's on LRK at monocle.com. I'm Tom Edwards. Goodbye, and thanks for listening to The Entrepreneurs.